Welcome to Big Time Adulting, the podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Murray, and I'm here to take it deep with you on adulthood, womanhood, motherhood, and whatever other things end in hood that we can think of. It's going to be real. It's going to be honest. And we are going to laugh until a little pee comes out. If you've been looking to find a podcast to relate to as a woman and a mom, and you're kind of awesome, which you definitely are, subscribe now. All right, here we are. Um, welcome back, friends. This week's episode is um, especially special to me. Um, something I've been thinking about for a long time. Um, this interview with our family friend, Nancy Shea. I have Nancy here today. Nancy, you want to say hi? Hi. Hi. Um, and Nancy... Um, is an incredible woman for many reasons, um, but she has an exceptional story um, and life event that she's been through. And uh, just to give a little background on that, Nancy lost her husband, Joe Shea, um, in 9-11. And Joe was best friends with um, my husband's father. And um, Nancy and my mother-in-law remain very good friends, um, as well as my father-in-law. But here they are, these, you know, friends raising their young families alongside each other when Joe was tragically taken from his family 20 years ago this past September, which is just insane that it's 20 years. Um, and I never had the chance to meet Joe. And, and like Mike and I will play this game sometimes, like, who do you wish you could ever have dinner with? And my answer is often Joe Shea, because your family is just so incredible and you are just so incredible. And, um, you know, it can't go without mentioning that Joe also lost his brother that day, uh, Dan Shea, who was working in the tower with Joe. And at that time, Nancy had four children, has four children, but their ages at the time from youngest to oldest were 14, 12, 10, and seven. Um, and Dan, Joe's brother had three children himself. So Nancy's sister-in-law, Ellen, was going through the same life event with children ages um, four, two, and six months old. So I guess I feel like this year, I Casey, who is Nancy's daughter, just got married um, in September, um, very close to the 20-year anniversary of Joe's death. And it was just such an emotional and beautiful day. And as a mom now... Um, thinking about what it would have been like to be in your shoes at that time. And I just, it hits a lot different now um, for me. And, you know, I have to say, like, it's just, it's almost, it's hard to describe how incredible each of your kids are. Like, as adults, it seems like each is more special than the next in their own different ways. Um, they're all really different. Um and all they so are. fucking cool. And it's just remarkable, the people that you've raised and these humans who are now full-grown adults who are thriving and wonderful. And I think of you, Nancy, all the time when I need to draw inspiration. And I know you'll be somebody who will certainly inspire lots of other moms out there who could benefit from hearing some of your wisdom if they've just, you know, gone through a tragic life event or, or 
they're just having a really bad fucking day. Um, so that's why I wanted to have Nancy here um, so much. And I know this probably isn't going to be easy for even me to get through, um, but I'm going to try to keep my shit together, Nance. And whew, all right. Um, so let's get started. I had a few things prepared um, that we went over and the first thing I wanted to ask you is sort of what is going through your mind initially when you realize what happened and that you know Joe was in that tower? Well, I look back over that day, sometimes seems like yesterday, sometimes it's a lifetime ago. And I felt like I was living in a, you know, a TV movie. It was so yeah. dramatic, so uh, outsized, so impossible to believe that something like this could happen. You know, watching the television, it was a normal, beautiful, everyone always talks about that beautiful September blue sky, dropped off four kids at school, came back. And as typically as I'm walking in the, in the door, the phone rings and it was Joe. Usually it's just, hi, how are you? What have you got on today? And, you know, we sort of discuss the rest of the day. And this was uh, a plane just hit the building and, uh, you're going to see this on the news, but don't worry because I'm fine. And, um, just going to go see what's going on. And I was so cool because in 1994, a plane hit the building or yeah. a bomb went off in the basement of the building and the same thing happened. And he called and said, it's completely fine. We're all good. And he walked down 105 flights of steps and came out very sooty. Seven hours later, it was a long wait, but, uh, you know, Joe, uh, was a Superman and I never doubted that he would come through it. So, I wasn't one bit worried with that first bit of news. When I turned on the television, I thought, huh, this doesn't look too good. Anyway, we all know how that part of it went. So I don't have to share any more of that. The house filled up with hundreds of people within an hour and didn't empty for a very long time. People going to get the kids from school and trying to get information, getting information was very difficult mm -hmm. because the cell system had broken down and, um, just as the day went on, the magnitude of the problem at the at the end of that day, I couldn't sit in that kitchen one more minute. And I said, I'm going to go find out what's going on. And my kids wanted me to go in and find out, but they wanted me to go find their dad. And uh, my brother-in-law was like, that's crazy. The bridges, they're, they're not letting anyone in. I said, well, I'm going to ride my bike in. I'm going to drive down to Hunts Point and I'm going to park the car and I'm going to ride my bike in. And you can either come with me or you can get out of my way. And of course he had hidden car keys. And I said, Tom, do you think I didn't know you were going to do that? I have a spare set in my pocket. So come with me or get out of my way. And we did ride all over Manhattan and it was grim. There was, we went from hospital to hospital and there were no casualties at the hospital. So that was my first indication that this wasn't going to end well. Uh, and we went looking for the next couple days. And I would say the low point of that week and there had been a lot of low points, was when I had to gather my kids, maybe it was Thursday, and say, it's over. You know, daddy isn't Superman. There's no little cache of survivors that somehow flew down through the air and got buried and are found. It just, it's not going to happen. And it was, I felt like I was killing him a second time. And then uh, you know, a memorial service for thousands and uh, awake at the house for hundreds. It, it was just a blur. The kids were shell-shocked. I was shell-shocked. That's a time. It's seared into my memory, but um, 
not much of it is good. Yeah. I can't imagine how, uh, like surreal it must've been during that time. Completely. And, uh, I don't know if there was enough of me to be the mom that I needed to be. Fortunately, I had a deep bench. Uh, I still do. The, uh, the team Shay is incredible. The outpouring of love and support that I've had, and not just in the immediate, but for 20 years, it's never ended. And my kids have had really, really good people. Um, and I've had good people to lean on and share this with, and I couldn't have done it without them. Well, I would say you're selling yourself a little short. <laughs> um, of course, we all, you know, need and and cherish the help and support of our friends. Um, but I don't think enough can be said for what you've done as a mom. And, um, you know, I watched you give away Casey at the wedding and um, just your strength and the adoration that your children have for you is really moving uh, to see the way that they love you. And obviously that's because of how there for them you've been. Well, Um, we were in the trenches together. You know, you, Caitlin, have been through a tragedy and many people will go through a tragedy in their lives. And I think everyone starts to view their life in this prism of before and after. And uh, Mm. before seems so perfect just Mm. golden and rosy and our lives were perfect. I think they were, you know, as perfect as anyone would actually want. Um, And the after has not been, but uh, you know, we, we, we keep looking for good things to bring us together. And um, that's what I kept trying to give to my kids. I said, it's not going to be perfect anymore, Mm -hmm. but it's, we are going to find joy again. We, I promise you, we will find joy again. And one of my sons said, mom, not just some, we're going to find lots of joy. So I wasn't in that alone. But with something like this, when it happens, you know, I felt like the kids were like Humpty Dumpty and all the king's horses and all the king's men are never going to make them whole again. They always are going to have little cracks and scars. Mm -hmm. And as a mother, that is a heartbreaking realization that you can't fix things because you always want to fix things. Yes. And I can make them better, but I can't ever bring their dad back. Nothing. So we've just had to come to terms with that and then move on and live a life that is less than perfect, but try to make it as perfect as possible. And I guess that's been our, our MO and, um, haven't always succeeded. You know, I talked about the public part. We were, we were poster children for nine 11 and people all felt that tragedy. So, um, you know, being part of a national event is complicated. We appreciated everyone's support, but at the end of the day, this was a private tragedy that we had to deal with. So when we closed the doors, I think that's why we're so close. We did reveal our grief and our pain and our anger, and we were um, not always perfect. I know I wasn't perfect. And um, everyone had permission to fall apart if they needed to in our private home. And that's still, you know, between our circle of, of five is still a, a place where we feel safe, even when it's not a positive thing, because well, I have to say, thank fucking God for that, because I do the same thing in yeah. my private home. And, you know, I think nobody's perfect ever, but 
you know, certainly in these situations, I'm sure it hits you harder. You feel like you have to maintain um, a version of what you had in a way or create a new. And um, it's just not possible. It's never the same. No, right? no. So, um, you know, I just, the, I had some other things like that came to mind for me when I'm, when I think of you and um, after you, you know, sort of unexpectedly become the single parent, like you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders as a mom. And like, what were your goals at that time? Like, what were your just like, or even just your survival? Like, what was your, your main things that you knew you needed to do? My kids crave normalcy so much and they had been active, normal kids, not perfect, but you know, uh, so a, a normal spring uh, would have each of them playing on approximately three teams. You know, there was travel soccer and travel hockey and modified football and uh, JV soccer. I had to. Yeah, four kids. Four kids times all those sports yeah. and just have to have the weekend schedule lined up and the, you know, the cleats and the hockey bags and the equipment lined up and then the logistics of uh, where everyone had to be. And then I had to learn to ask for help, which wasn't easy yeah. from other other people. I had to ask for help. I uh, couldn't get them all to those places. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I could get in for the beginning and the end of the game and get someone to quickly tell me how the rest of it went so that I could sound informed. Just moving along. Yeah. Um, then, you know, add on a layer of uh, counseling for kids who needed counseling and orthodontists and dances and then all of a sudden it's college stuff so so much of the first five to ten years was just being busy yeah um and we treading water like and trying to find whatever normalcy we can i guess that's the theme of what i did yeah um and being uh forgiving as much as i could uh for teenagers is is hard enough when they don't have problems yeah, and it yeah. became a God. ball of spaghetti. What part of this behavior is grief? What part of it is normal hormonal bullshit? Yeah. And uh, how should I handle it? As a single parent, everything changes. You have to be the good cop and the bad cop. Mm -hmm. You have to be the decision maker without, you know, sounding board. And then you have to stick to it. Yeah. Um, so uh, I just doubled down and said, I have to be, twice the parent I was. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that made me a little crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I do remember one of my daughter saying, you never smile anymore. And I thought, well, when do I ever have a chance to do that? Um, right. You know, you're fed, you're at your soccer game. Um, you know, no one's flunking anything today. Uh, so uh, then I had a crazy talk with my neighbor and I was complimenting her lovely children who all line up in ages with mine. And I said, you've done such a great job. And she said, well, I get up every day and I want my children to know that they're loved and I want to bring them some joy. And I thought, geez, I've been going about this all wrong. I get up every day and try to fix them. I'm trying to heal them. I'm trying to make them better. I'm trying to uh, fill in the gaps. And I went home and said, I'm, I, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to be fun, mommy. Mm -hmm. And I just relaxed a little bit. And I think the whole family relaxed a little bit with that. First, they thought, well, mom's going crazy. 
she's taking us to Billy Joel and then we're going to go see uh, you two in Dublin next summer. Like, <laughs> who, who is this mother? <laughs> what do we don't have to go to SAT tutoring? Anymore? I like this mother. <laughs> uh, it's funny when Cal first got sick, I was like saying to the doctors just as, you know, to take the edge off with a little humor, like, uh, when is he going to start feeling a little better so that I can go back to being the bitch mother that I usually am? <laughs> Doctors only like, no, eat your broccoli. Don't always get that that humor. Peter had a yeah. Uh, I think they were a little shocked. Peter had a medical procedure that he needed, and it was uh, you know something in his. Oh, he'll kill me if he listens to this. <laughs> but he had something a, a blood vessel leading to his testicle that uh, was twisted. It's a very common thing to fix. Yeah, but he's the, the the doctor said, well, it can lead to infertility in adults if you don't fix it. And I said, so why don't we wait till he's thirty to fix it? Yeah. <laughs> he did not find that funny. Yeah. <laughs> It's an excellent point, though, Nancy. <laughs> Built-in birth control. <laughs> so I guess, like, that's part of what you sort of were saying, like what your neighbor said to you, like, I want to. I want my kids wake up and they, I want them to know love and no joy. That's really big of her. Um, but what, so that got lost for a while in my parenting. Cause I was just trying to put one foot in front of the other and make sure everyone was where they were supposed to be. But do you think you could have done it any different than no, the way you did? Like looking back, so. like, is there any advice that you would have given to yourself then? Well, or I guess that's not even, that's not even the same question. It's like, you couldn't do it any differently, but like if you needed to hear something, it was helpful to hear that from now advice you. from now, Nancy, that whole now, concept Nancy. of being forgiving, not so being so hard on the kids and not being and so yourself. hard on myself. Um, you know, in the beginning, people say time heals. Uh, and I am very careful about saying that to people who've experienced loss because I hated hearing that yeah. it somewhat diminished my feelings I don't want them to, I don't want to heal. Yeah. I want to feel this grief. I want to hold on to it. It's mine. Don't try to brush it off and say, I'll be oh, okay. it's just going to get better. Yeah. It's never going to get better. Yeah. Uh, and I found it um, not helpful. However, the reality is the time does heal. Yeah. It doesn't fix everything, but it does take the, the sting out. And It does, um, but then your wounds can reopen quite easily. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I had to sit down and write the father of the bride speech yeah. for Casey last month, I was like, God damn it. Yeah. I had to do everything. Here we are again. Yeah. There's one I more job that I wasn't supposed to have to do that. But then, you know, it went well and everyone was so supportive. Oh, it was amazing. It, was, it couldn't have been any better. But like still at the same time, even when you're like, I, even not that you're, you're so capable and so great at speaking. But like even that is just one of those things where you probably think to yourself, God damn it. I wish I got to hear what Joe would have said today. Like, you know, like that to me would be like, oh, like all those big moments when their grandchildren come, when yeah. there's graduations, you always wish and wonder. Uh, we all do. I was delighted just a few weeks before Casey's wedding. My son-in-law now, Chris, would, ran into someone, an old uh, neighbor in his town and uh he mentioned that he was marrying Casey Shea and it turned out that this guy knew was good friends with Joe's brother, Danny and knew Joe. And he started sharing stories about them. And then he said, Joe Shea was Clint Eastwood cool. Oh. And Chris came back and told us that. And he said, well, that's a serious compliment. And I'm so thrilled that 20 years later, people still have that 
vivid memory of him. And I think that's helped my kids a lot that people are so willing and eager to share their memories and talk about him. And he still feels very much like a presence in our, in our lives. And Mm -hmm. that would be advice. Something I did to anyone who's lost a spouse is to keep them alive for your kids because they want that. They want the pictures around. They want to hear that they remind you of them physically or their personality. They want to hear their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they were little when this happened. So yeah. their memories fade, especially if they're really young. Like so Dan, yeah. uh, they love to hear stories totally. and, um, and find out that they walk like him or, mm-hmm. you know, make the same laugh or something like that. That's a, that's something that it makes them feel connected. Yeah, Totally. Yeah. And you experience those stories so differently as an adult than you did as a kid and you can see what they might've been feeling or thinking. So I'm going to ask you like kind of uh, to brag about yourself a little bit, but what are you most proud of? Because you, you've sort of said, you know, I should have been like finding more joy in all this, but your kids turned out so well. Well, Um, That would be what I'm most proud of. They, uh, they still all talk to me. Um, <laughs> we were very close yeah. and, uh, they're living lives that I'm proud of. They, um, they work hard. Uh, they have good friendships. Um, the two that are married have made wonderful choices with partners. Um, and they're really close to each other and, yeah. um, and to my extended family, you know, they're close to my sisters and my mother and, mm-hmm. um, their cousins they're good people. And people tell me that all the time. Um, and that makes me very, very proud. And it takes the sting out of what happened because, mm-hmm. uh, that was a terrible thing for children to have to, to live through just such a shocking, confusing event. Um, but also I never, ever have wanted to hold us up as special victims. I think, uh, dead is dead frankly. And, you know, whether your parent died from um, illness or an accident or something self-inflicted or a national tragedy, the the consequences are still the same. You're missing a parent. You're always going to be a little bit uh, sad and a little, and and wish, wish that things were different and wonder how things would have been if they were the same. And I still have those moments. I still have those moments when I hear an old song that I Mm -hmm. have a pang. And, uh, you know, when a slow dance comes on and I'm at a wedding and everyone stands up, I, I miss my boyfriend. Um, but that's, you know, minutes here and there, and that's, you know, just part of who you are. Yeah. You know, it means that I had something great. Yeah. And, uh, I've been widowed longer than I was married now. So, uh, you know, I've made, made terms with it. And, you know, what is what I am now, my most biggest identity is a mom and a grandmother and a friend and a daughter and a sister and an aunt. And Mm -hmm. I have all those wonderful relationships and they keep me pretty busy and very happy. Yeah, you're amazing. And the proof is in the pudding. I mean, your children are just that's one of the reasons why I think I think of you as so remarkable because of your kids, too. I mean, I love you as just an individual and just um in awe of your children as well. So um, I guess like the last thing I want to ask you is in, in any like parting words or kind of words of comfort or just, you know, inspiration to 
a young parent who might be going through a similar life event, a tragic life event, or a very difficult time. All you can do is love them. Um, you can't change it. Yeah. Uh, you can't fix them. You can just love them. And, uh, you know, I did a lot of reading about grief after 9-11 and, uh, you know, especially with regards to children. And it says that they, you need to heal yourself before you can heal your children and that they just crave stability and normalcy. And that's easier said than done. You know, you know, you can't afford, you know, command yourself to be healed. So it's a process. So anyone who's going through this has to, you know, take their time, be forgiving and uh, take it one day at a time. Yeah. Yeah. One day at a time as with anything, you know, and keep finding, looking for joy for your family. Yeah. It's there. It it might not look the same, but it'll still be there. You have to keep looking for it. We had this family motto. We cited it every year on Thanksgiving. How lucky are we? And we still do. Yeah. We still do. In a lot of ways, we are lucky. Totally. Yeah. We were lucky to have Joe and, and Dan, and we're lucky to have the people who love them in our lives. Absolutely, Nancy. You're so inspirational. I love you. Thank you for sharing and being so vulnerable and open um, because that's what I'm kind of all about with this podcast thing that I'm trying to do. If it wasn't you, I would not have been able to do this, (laughs) but I trusted you to to take me through this. So thank you. Thanks, Nancy. Thanks for thinking that my story is worth listening to. Next time I'm going to have you on about other shit, about how to deal with teenagers. Uh, (laughs) Oh yeah. I got a whole chapter on that. (laughs) Um, Well, thank you so much for, for taking your time, taking time with me today. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye Kate. Bye Nance. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you're looking for any of the resources from the episode, you can check them out in show notes. Again, If you liked listening, I'd love it for you to subscribe. Until next time, peace out.